Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. And brother, 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 there's too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, America. Welcome back, world. And I will say it for Elizabeth. Welcome back, universe. Hey. Yep, we are back. And this is the Whitebeard and TK podcast. And I am, of course, your host, T. Anthony a.k.a. Whitebeard, and standing right next to me is no one. Yes, the queen of annoying the mess out of me is not here at the moment. Um, I might want to call her because we were talking about something last night in the car, and it was a video that my sister sent me earlier this week on Instagram, and so I looked at it, and as we were driving to the store, getting some things, we watched it in the car, well, she watched it in the car, because I already saw it, I was just listening to it. It was on abortion, and so she had some really good ideas, she had some really great things to say about it, as well as something she told me a few weeks ago, and I know I'm not gonna remember everything that she had to say, so I may have to have her call me, and uh, I'll see how that's going to work. But first, you know, when that song came out, when Marvin Gaye's song came out, he was talking about, I think this, the, the whole album was called My Ecology, or was Ecology one of the other cuts on the song? And he was talking about the things that were happening during the 60s and how the world was. There was so much racial division and a lot of stuff that was happening, a lot of protests, you know, people would like to say today that it's exactly the same, that nothing has changed, police brutality hasn't changed, nothing has changed, everything is exactly the way it was back then. I learned something sitting in a college class from a long time ago. The minute you begin to say it's exactly like, or you you, you encompass everything, like, like the arguments that, that you know husband and wives have, you always, the minute you do that, your argument is already weakened and you're already wrong. What's my point? This is the year 2020. This is Thursday. I haven't, I'm not even looking at a calendar right now, but this is the year 2020. It can't possibly be exactly the same as it was in 1963, 4 or 5, 1963 to 68. That's highly impossible. Something has changed. Things have changed. Uh, we talked about abortion. Today, you can get a pill before you had to go to doctor and get yourself vacuum scraped and everything else. So it's not exactly the same. 
there are a bunch of people that would like to have things exactly the same because that's big business for them. You've heard me say this all year long, and I've said before I'm getting tired of it when I would do the uh, the uh, Sunday special. You know, it would end up me ranting for about an hour or so over all the things that people are constantly doing to keep things exactly the same while they're trying to tell you they want things to be different. And that's not exactly the case. So um, having said that, that made me change what I was going to be doing today, but I'm still going to add a little bit into it because I think it slides right into all of the main points for today. Um, it was funny, uh, when, when I was recording <laughs> the cold opening, I don't know how many takes I did to do that. And then I decided, okay, well, you know, I'm going to use this one. It doesn't really matter how it sounds. I'm not here auditioning for anything. It's just was something fun to do. I come out the room and <laughs> Elizabeth says, you back there like you on, um, what's one of those, those music shows? Like you're auditioning for uh, one, I forgot what she said. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, so that was just a little joke, inside joke for us, for me. Well, now you're in on it, so it's not all that inside. About a month ago, uh, what month are we in now? <laughs> October, September, August. Okay, so about two months ago. About two months ago, I was on Instagram and I saw a post of a hiker that I follow. And she follows me as well. I may have brought the story up before. And at one point, I was going to spend a lot of time on it. And I said no, and I put it away. But thinking about this and thinking about diversity, shall we say, quote unquote, it came up. And then I saw the things that happened this week are going to continue to happen because I think it all started last week. She posted this picture of some place, I don't know what state she was in, some state park, and it was supposed to be a bearskin linked over, laid over this post, over the uh, signage, over the sign. And then it says, um, black lives don't matter past this point or something like that. And of course, she was outraged. She was going to do a live show about it. And then she was going to be talking about it. If you look at the things listing down, she may have had like a hundred or so, probably more than that, hundred or so comments, and they're all championing the same thing. You know, Black Lives Matter. This is racist. These people are this. These people are a so and so. Of course, you know, you had to have the Trump bad man, and I don't even know how you got involved with it. But all this other stuff. So I said, "Oh man, see, she's not here." Last night I said, "I'm going to get a T-shirt that says." all the other stuff, because I realize I keep saying that. The, um, I look for that story. I couldn't find this in the news anywhere. And I have done this with Facebook and in many, many years. And I, and it's, it's what I practice, period. I don't jump on a bandwagon of anything because you never know. And now that we live in this instant age of instant access, People like to jump on things really quick without having any information whatsoever. So I checked for it. I couldn't find it. I checked for it again another week. And then I checked for it a little bit longer after that. And then I found one news story about it. And it was like a $5,000 um, reward for it. And then 
it went out. I haven't seen anything else about it. I don't know if they found the case. Was it some hoax? Was it somebody? Because we know that there are people who look like the people that they're trying to attack who set up things just to get media attention to do other stuff. So uh, my comment as I started reading all these comments in the, the huge, like four paragraphs of her negative and how this and is and this is, is and you know, we need to infiltrate these spaces. Basically what she said, I, I forgot the word she used. We have to represent. Representation matters. And all these other things matter. So we have to be in these spaces, these white spaces, these spaces that they think that they own and we have to do some blah, 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 blah. They always try, and, and I'm reading comment after comment that kind of pretty much pat her on the back. So I said, um, that's interesting because I never knew that I was oppressed. I never knew that these were quote unquote I'm air quoting white spaces. I just thought that these were national parks. I thought that these were places that people go and you just hike. Um, and so I went on to say that, you know, all the years that my daughter and I have been out, we've never felt uncomfortable. We've never felt, quote, unwelcomed. We never felt, quote, out of place. We just went and hiked. And it's funny, the other day we went out somewhere, I was like, hey, look, a black person. And then we just laughed because we, you know, you don't really notice that there are not a lot of people out there who look like you or until you see them and go, oh, snap, hey, look. And I've said that before. So what I said was, we've never had that issue. And I said, you know, my daughter has never thought that she was um, oppressed and that she didn't was able to get to these spaces and do these different things that never crossed her mind it never crossed any of my children's minds so hey here's a side note if you see any of my children well you probably wouldn't know who they are and they're walking around with the BLM and the black fist and all that other stuff and it's so racist and blah 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 trust me they didn't get that from them from their mother and me that's not how we were raised first of all everybody in this household was raised Christian first your skin color did not come first. It was Christ first. It was God's word. It was, this is how we are being raised. This is how we're raising our household and so on and so on. So whatever they've turned out to be, whatever they've chosen to do is basically the influences from outside and the people who they are with. That's a good segue back into what I was just talking about. So after that, she came back. I can't remember how else I finished it because I actually deleted it. I, I, uh, I took a picture of it, screenshotted it, and I was going to go on. And I said, you know what? Nah, this ain't worth it. She comes back with an attack. And her words were, get off my page. Get out this comment. You don't belong here. You're the reason why these things are going on. You are ignorant and blah, 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 blah. She just was, well, in her mind, I guess she tore me a new butthole. And I looked at this, I'm going, I'm ignorant? This fool is attacking me, right? Now, excuse me, folks, why I jump in my complexion bag. 
she's black or African-American. I get. I think she calls herself a person of color, which kind of reminds me of uh, colored people. I, uh, you know, and it was my daughter who once said, it was like, doesn't that just sound like, you're right. So I'm an American, you're an American, but if we want to go with complexion and skin color, person of color, brown, black, whatever, I don't really care, folks. I really, really don't give a rat's booty. She's black, I'm black. She attacks me and tells me I'm the problem. She doesn't like what I said, so I need to get off her page. I need to get out of the comments section. What was her problem with me? Well, clearly this black life doesn't matter. Clearly this black intelligent person doesn't matter. Now you're saying that's not what she meant. Yes, it is. Because when you want to talk about diversifying the outdoors, when you talk about diversity in spaces and everything else, you're just talking about putting people in spots. It's not about the diversity of a thought. See, she rejected what I had to say. She tossed me to the side, called me, came shy of calling me a coon, which wouldn't be the first time that's happened to me before. And an Uncle Tom, whatever. And again, never by white people, never by Mexicans, never by anybody Hispanic, never by any foreigners from another country, never by anybody else except for people who look like me. So she didn't like what I had to say. So now I was dismissed as if I'm the idiot child who doesn't know anything. And she knows it all. And because I didn't agree with what she was thinking, she dismissed my story. You know, it's, that's what you went through. But what I was saying is, here's a different tale. Here's a different story. Here's a different experience. Me, as a person, as a, as a black man hiking, um, which might scare some white folks or other people who might be very fearful of black people because of the stuff they see on TV, the news and everything else. I haven't had that issue. My daughter and I do not have that issue. We have not had that issue. And my point was, I didn't know any of these things were supposed to be happening to me that these are white space and I'm supposedly oppressed by these people who are racist. Until social media and other people started telling me, this is what's going on. And then when you reject the thought, go, no, I'm not. I don't feel that way. Why are you saying this to me? Then they start calling you all those names. You know them, Uncle Tom, Coon, all the other stuff, right? So I'm like, this is insane. This is insane because there are too many people. Uh, what, that's not what I want to say. The, uh. The people who get the biggest megaphones and platforms are people who want to speak one particular narrative, one particular story, and that's the only thing that social media wants to hear, the only thing that news media wants to hear, the only thing that cable people want to hear, the only thing that what is the current atmosphere of black people want to hear. And anything that you say contrary to that particular story puts you on the outside as if there's something wrong with you, which doesn't make any sense. Because the world does not get to hear other people's voices. And there should be 
a place for other people's voices to be heard. And I don't mean a special on the side spot. I mean like right here, right now, everywhere. But people who have a different opinion, people who have a different experience are drowned out by the loudest noise of these particular people who I just call loons. It's happened with so-called longtime friends, you know, who I've gone to church with and a whole bunch of other things. And it's just, it's, it's insane that this is where we are. Listen, I don't have to like what you say. I don't have to like your opinion, but there should be some sort of respect coming from both sides. You can't demand respect. You can't mandate respect from me, and I'm just going to do it. That's not how it happens. You can't force this by burning down something or coming chanting up in my face or knocking over my food or taking my cup and drinking it when you're sitting over here. And it's, it's just like, it's crazy. And this is what gets all the media airtime. And it's crazy. It really is crazy. And so earlier this week, which probably happened last week, usually I get the news or I'll find out something before a lot of people who I see on YouTube and know or the news picks it up or, you know, social media becomes a buzz about it. I usually find out stuff a week before, but I had turned off the news and was taking a break from things as I was working on stuff. So the first one I hear was about Ice Cube. Then that got followed by 50 cents. Apparently 50 cents said, you know what? I'm leaving New York City. Dude, I've been trying to leave New York City. And that's because he found out that, you know, under a, a Biden plan, the tax bracket or the tax rate is going to be so much higher for people who make X amount of money. That's right, guy. My friend, you are wealthy. You have a lot of money. You are going to be taxed because that's what these people want to do. They want to say, we're going to pay for all this stuff. Remember Bernie Sanders? Everything was going to be free. Remember AOC? So oh, good gracious. I wish she would just go somewhere. But, you know, all this free stuff, like, how are we going to pay for it? Well, they're going to raise up taxes just like some foreign country. This isn't a foreign country. This isn't Switzerland. This isn't whatever country it is. This is this country. So you might argue, well, they're doing whatever. Okay, that's fine. That's them. Let's talk about right here. So you're going to raise the taxes to pay for all of these extra things. So apparently, 50 cents, light bulb went bing in his head and he realized, oh, snap. I'm going to only get 30% of the money I've made and the rest of that is going to go to the government to do what? When you think about it, we've got so many trillions of dollars in debt. So when we pay our taxes, state, federal, city, income tax, all that money is supposed to go to the government to run the government, to pay the salaries, to run the government. Um, to pay the salaries of the people who run the government and they set up these different programs to do certain things. When it comes to social social safety nets, 
like Social Security, you work, that tax is coming out, well, they don't call it a tax, right? That tax come out and that money goes to Social Security. And that's for people who are right now who are old and retired, they're getting that money, but it's supposed to go also into the bank so that as you get older and the younger generations coming behind you working, if they're still having babies, and the younger generation comes in behind you, they're putting money into that bank. So then you right now who are currently not retired can take money out that bank when you retire. That's how it works. So our taxes are supposed to go in to pay for these different things. So for all the extra stuff is basically what he was saying is that the tax is going to go up so high that you would only get about 38%, 30-something percent of your cash that you have made because all the other money is going to go over there. Now, here's my issue with that. Uh, well, first of all, welcome, brother. <laughs> welcome to the real world. People have been trying to tell you guys this for a long time, and you're just waking up. My hat's off to you. So we have a bloated government that can barely spend the money in the correct places that they have now. I'd be mad too. I'd move out of New York City myself. And for various reasons, the lockdowns and everything else, we're trying to get out of here. We're at the point right now where we're probably going to say, you know what? <laughs> Let's get a van and live in it. That's how bad I want the freedom from this city and the freedom to be out of here where we live right now um, um, um we, we we live in housing and to pay your rent they take about 35 percent of your income or is it 30 percent of your income it goes towards that so it's 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 really weird so you make we work just to pay bills and that's insane so i understand exactly what he's saying so of course of course, of course, 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 whatever. The minute he says something about that, you know, in support of, or maybe he's going to vote for Donald Trump, he gets attacked. And we know who he gets attacked from first, the people who look like him. Then it's everybody else. Then you have those people who sit in their cars and scream and cry and go all bananas. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. The Loon Brigade. So that's that one. Then there comes Ice Cube. Now, since March, when he was locked down, I, I think, is he still in California? Is he living in California? Because he's been in the house growing a big old beard and the gray, well, I guess he ran out of dye, but whatever. So apparently he's been in his cave thinking up these things and 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 whatever. I don't agree with half of the I don't even agree with half most of the stuff he says. But anyway, so for the past couple of months he's been on YouTube saying things and I come across a few, I'll listen to it for five seconds and I'll move on. But what he did this time caused this brother so much trouble that he had to, well, not really backpedal. But he had to go on a, I would say an apology tour, but it was not an apology tour. He had to now go out and start defending himself for a decision that he made. And the decision that he made was he would work with the Trump administration to help them 
with some of whatever, I, I forgot the name of the stuff, I didn't write this down, I just didn't want to read on a paper. Um, whatever plan that they're rolling out to help within black communities, or it could be people of color, but within black communities. And so he was saying that he had his own plan, which was uh, something black people, I forgot what it was, a, a contract with black folks, something like that, a contract with black people. Now, apparently he has this economic plan. I haven't looked at it, but he has this thing. He says that, the, that what he has is very complex. It's not about one area. There are other things that he's saying he want to deal with. So having had his own little thing, each administration contacted him and say, hey, we'd like to work with you. Basically what he tells in his story. So with the Biden's group, they said, that sounds real good. You know what? After the election, we'll, we'll sit down and talk about it. Understand that. After the election, we'll sit down and talk about it. The Trump people said, we like what you're saying. You want to come and have a sit down and talk with us and maybe we can talk about this and we can implement this and you can help us show, you can help us figure out how we can do some of these other things. So he chose to say, you know what? Somebody want to work with me, I'll work with them. You know, he has some ideas. He probably doesn't have the power to get these ideas taken care of the way he's imagining it in his mind or how it's done on paper. So if someone who is in power who is currently in office, who can do this, he would work with them. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he said. Will these things be implemented? I don't know. He has said in an interview with one of the idiot Cuomo sons um, that, you know, he's not either Republican or Democrat. He's not working on either one of their sides, which is very clear. I don't think he has any real political affiliation or he even knows about politics at all, really. So his idea of what he wants to do to help people economically, black people, economically, black Americans, the black community in this country, he has ideas that he wants, he thinks that we should do. You know, if we have equity, if you have power, you I mean, if you have money, you have power. Just like in the early days of America, when they were settling lands, the more that you had land, the more land, I mean, the, the more land you had, the more power you had, or should I just say, if you had land, you had power. You had power to shake and move within the government. You had power within your community. You were able to vote. It meant a lot. And way back, black folks was buying up land because they knew that if you had that, you had some power. You were able to have something. Ice Cube is on to something. So he gets attacked left and right from this. You know, I'm quite sure somebody's called McCoon. I've been trying to find out that, but I, I wasn't going to do a whole deep dive into that. So people are calling him out or not calling him out. They're calling him names, saying he's stupid. He's this, he's that. Why would he do this? And blah, 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 blah. Now he's over here. And you know, the whole quote unquote cancel culture or he's going to be canceled so dude and i've told you guys before you can't cancel me what the heck am i a tv show you can't get rid of me 
You could be mad. You could unfollow me. You could say whatever the blue heaven you want to say about me, but I'm not a television show. You can't cancel me. You can't get rid of me. That's not how it works. You don't like what I say. You don't have to like it. But there is no canceling. Too many dumb terminologies have popped up over the past 10, 15, no, past 10 years. So he's getting raked over the coals. Apparently, from what I heard, he was supposed to be on CNN, and then CNN canceled him coming on to the show, but then he said something, and then he gets to be on the show, and that is the interview that I saw. Now, when we were driving to the supermarket, that's why I said I wish he was here so we could have had this conversation together because if you would have heard what a 17-year-old had to say about this, and I didn't say anything. I just pressed both of those, press play on both of those videos, the Ice Cube on CNN and the one about abortion. So Chris Cuomo I, I I have no love for. <laughs> you know, um, he leads into the show and says all these things, and I'm trying to understand. And he was, and so that's why we're here to understand. And Cube comes on and says, "Listen, your lead into this was very misleading." He said, "How how did I say that? You said I joined God. Well, that's not what I said." And my daughter said, "That is what he said," because he alluded to. And he alluded to the entire conversation, the same thing that Joe Biden said. And everybody took it as a joke. And the person interviewing him let him go. Hey, 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 if, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. He didn't misquote that. He didn't misspeak. That wasn't one of his gaffes. He meant that. And a lot of people mean that, including like that hiker that I was talking about. If you don't fall lock and step with what everybody else is saying in the story that they want to continue to tell, then you are wrong. Then you are stupid. So I encourage you, get on YouTube and find that interview. Get the transcript if you can. I was actually going to find it and read it, but I didn't feel like standing here reading all these papers, reading all these words. So Chris starts in, and Ice Cube has to keep reminding him, that's not what I said. I'm not working with anybody. I'm not on anybody's side. Well, you know, why would you work with him if the black community is blah, blah, blah? Why would you work with him? Do you believe him more than you believe Biden? He's like, I don't trust, I don't believe, I don't trust anybody. I'm just working with whoever's in power. I just want to work with, I'm going to work with whoever wants to work with me. And Chris keeps trying to move it back the other way. And so I'm watching my daughter listen to this, and she's seeing exactly what I saw within 30 seconds of the whole thing from the lead into the interview. How Chris keeps on trying to pull him over this way and basically saying, how can you, as a black person, support Donald Trump? And that's not what he said he was doing. He said he was willing to work with him or anybody in power who can help or who wants to work with this whole thing. So he kept going back to that and basically saying, challenging his, in, in his intellect as to how can you as a black person want to even engage in this? So 
I told my daughter a couple of months ago, um, someone was saying something to me and there was an attack and, you know, you know, the whole cool Uncle Tom thing and blah, 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 blah. And I said, you see, these are those ignorant, excuse me, folks, these are those ignorant Negroes who are the overseers on the plantation. And they don't ever want anyone to get off of the plantation. I am using a slave um, analogy because they like to use the slave analogy a lot. And here it goes. Um, the job of the overseer is not only to crack the whip and beat the person into submission, they're to keep them on the plantation. Their job is to keep people in line. And you see, Chris Cuomo is one of those type of overseers. The people who are attacking Ice Cube are the overseers because what they want him to do is stay in this particular spot and not move. The hiker on Instagram thought that she could do that to me and that that's her job is to put me in check and put me in my place and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about because this is what's happening. And it's ridiculous because people need to hear both sides, all three sides, all four sides. We should be able to hear everything and make our own decisions. But these decisions continue to be made for us by people who only want to push one story. And when it comes to black people in this country, especially since the start of this year, the mid part of the start of this year, it's all about here's the story. If you move from this camp, you're wrong and we're gonna do whatever we can to destroy you. Q was onto something. And I've had this discussion with Elizabeth. I've had this discussion with my wife. I had this discussion with the kids a little bit as we were growing up. But I have more of it with her because she's here with me now. And she and we, we talk a little bit more as she's gotten older. So she's hearing a lot more of these things about the, the, uh, the issues with economics and everything else that he was saying. So I don't agree a lot with what Ice Cube was saying. But what he said was correct. When Trump was running for office, he said, what do you have to lose? He said he wanted to sit down and talk. And every single celebrity who a few years short of that, who all ran up to the almighty Obama and sat at his table and played, his, and played their music and they all hung out the White House and everybody was running over there. When this person comes in, the media has praised him as a racist and say, this is what he's doing. He's a racist. Don't talk to him. And so the first black people to start wanting to sit down and talk to him and have his ear, they were called coons. They were mocked. Sellouts. That's crazy. It's like when you're in the hood and somebody call you a sellout. It's like, how am I a sellout? You don't want to sell drugs to your own people. How the heck am I a sellout? Because I want to go to school? Uh, I don't think that's how that works. So they were all attacked from the beginning. And now Ice Cube jumps onto the train. He a little late to the party, but I give him a bit of a credit. They all refused. Nobody wanted to go. 
and we all know the rest, right? All the sports teams, the basketball, but I ain't never going over there. I ain't gonna be sitting up there and all the other idiocy that these people can come out there, daggone mouth, sideways, left waist, not the butt. And I sit there and go, and I said, and I said the same thing to my to 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 Elizabeth while we were in the car listening to this. People are stupid. They are absolutely stupid. If I got invited to the White House, I'm going. I couldn't care if it was Obama still in office who I didn't like. I don't care if it was, uh, um, uh, what's, what's his name, Slick Willie. Because you were invited, which means these idiots, you have the opportunity to find out if this person is what you think he is but more importantly, you have his ear. You have his ear. You have the opportunity to talk and make and state your case. When you have chosen not to do that, that's it. You don't get to sit in the sidelines and talk about somebody else like they're a dog. You had the opportunity you chose not to. You chose to talk about him like he's a fool. So, you know, my hat's off to him. End of 50 cents. It's like, you know what? They wised up and figured something out for themselves and decided, you know what? This is what we ought to do. But let's get back into... Um, some stuff that Ice Cube was saying on the interview about, um, what was he saying, about black people having money and owning money. And uh, I forgot what else he said. Hold on a second. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hello, you can reach us at tanthonybland at gmail.com. We welcome it all. Again, that's tanthonybland at gmail.com. Having money and the money being power to be able to do things. And he was talking about uh, a whole a whole list of things, his ideas of stuff that he wanted to have. Which prompted this conversation between me and Elizabeth before. And uh, we were talking about it as we were walking to the supermarket. I got people's heads looking at me because I'm trying to talk with the mask on my face. So I'm trying to make sure she can hear me. And I guess that everybody was hearing me as we're talking. In the 1960s, you want to talk about wealth? I don't care how this country was started. When people started grabbing land, they had that land. They still had the land because they passed it down to their family members. So the wealthy kept the wealthy, not the rich, not the people who want to show you their status of they have money by the giant chains and the ridiculous cars and the stupid, ridiculous mansion that got a whole bunch of rooms in it for a family of four. Not the ones who do that because they're not too bright. Real wealthy people, you never see their money until you see that pocket that, you know, the, the, the checkbook come out and they're donating to something or they arrive in a particularly expensive car that you wouldn't know because it's not like pimped out. 
and they don't they won't wear people's labels on their backs so real wealth is really not shown let's get back to the land so they have this land they pass it down to their family they keep the wealth in their family and that's how you go for generations and generations of wealth now this may have happened at a time where black folks in this country couldn't do that although we did have a whole lot of black millionaires way back long before the new millionaires and billionaires right now so they were able to eke out a nice living and become millionaires the problem is not handing down the money not building wealth but making money and spending money and so some of the things he said in this discussion i have with elizabeth all the time excuse me with elizabeth all the time my daughter all the time is that you know it's 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 good to make money but you have to plan for the future and that's always very hard because we want to spend everything now and not plan for the future so you need to get this build the wealth don't spend the wealth build the wealth hand that wealth down to the next generations coming after you but you don't just hand them the money you teach them money management you teach them about wealth you teach them about um, um, wealth management the bible is filled with all sorts of verses in in um the book of proverbs about wealth and the wealthy people what you do with wealth and how you work the wealth and how it gets passed down and how the people so you know i love this verse about my people perish for the lack of knowledge and i've been saying that for a good long time since school since being in college on a whole speaking in general let me repeat that again disqual a, a disclaimer we don't call as a whole speaking in general the black communities the black community in america perish for lack of knowledge see you want to hear lebron james but you want to shut down ice cube and shun 50 cents because he realized something you want to silence me because you don't like my idea is different than your idea. You're the idiot and you're going to have problems. I may not have a billion followers and that's okay. If my child understands what I'm trying to teach her, then she can teach her nieces and nephews. And the rest of the kids, if they ever paid attention. And then that way you can continue on that. And within a generation or so, I think my, my wife and I said that we wanted to get, we wanted to erase poverty within a generation. Two at most, but within a generation. And the whole thing started with having our children understand the power of education, the power of budgeting, and not being in debt. Those are very simple keys. The second step was, as I was alluding to about my, my parents' days. So here's, here's the land. You have the land. You build the wealth. You have a company. You build up that money. You, you create industry. And you may purchase something or you may own something or you may, like uh, uh, the guy, the, the, the real McCoy. Jeez, uh, she's not here to help me. Um, 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 Elijah McCoy. 
who created the retarder, the, uh, the governor switch for the steam engines. And people ask, is it the real McCoy? This is a black inventor. So he improved on something. So you can improve on something or you can create something as a business or you can buy a business or you can invest in the business as a, a you know an investor. Put your money into stocks and everything else. You own parts of that business. That's an easy way to build capital and to build wealth. But then in order to maintain it for the generations, people need to be taught about good money management. They need to be taught about how to build and keep the wealth. One of the easiest things for poor black folks to ensure that the next generation does not have to be in poverty, even though you may have lived and died in it, is life insurance. That's right, I said it. And it has been a massive stigma. I remember hearing growing up with people who don't want to have insurance because, well, you know, she's going to kill me and get the money and all the other ignorant stuff that happens in our community. Now, it may not just be among black folks. It may be among all the other people groups in this country. I'm only talking about this because this is a subject that came up with Ice Cube, 50 Cents, Chris Cuomo, and a lot of other nonsense that's going on. Let me make that perfectly clear. I do not think that this is something that is unique to black Americans. Life insurance. My mother and father, back when they were young and they were getting life insurance because people wouldn't sell them life insurance, they wouldn't give them high policies. Now, maybe some other people who didn't look like them, maybe some other Americans, some other white Americans could get more money than them and they couldn't get it. And so here we go with, this is how it was in the 60s. This is not how it is now. Remember I was talking about that song? There we go. You could sit there and go, well, the red line, and this was this, and they couldn't do it, and they were trying to hold us down. Black people rise up. Stop. That was my parents' day. Now you can get yourself a million-dollar policy. I don't know if you can afford that monthly premium, but you can get yourself a million-dollar policy, and that money will be, okay, when I die, I want to make sure that my wife or husband are taken care of so when they're going through this grief and they can't get to work that there'll be everything will be paid off if we have a house make sure that there's enough money so the house could be paid off make sure that she or he can live in a particular way where they can continue to carry on until they're able to get up on their feet and pick up enough money so they can take this and they can invest that if we didn't have money invested in something else so that's the way to do it now, it couldn't happen with my mother's generation, but it could happen with our generation. And that's one of the first things I told all of my 20-year-olds, get yourself some insurance. They didn't make a lot of money when they first started. I'm like, well, that's fine. You can always increase it when you get older because you can't say you care about them, you know, because if something happens to you, because we, we used to see it all the time, people knocking on the door and our door and walking around asking for money to bury their family member. And then some people, they die with a bunch of debt. And without the living family member knowing it, the debt lands on them. And if you're living in a house that you don't own, 
and you die still owing and you have that debt and you did not have this insurance or you didn't have money saved, then that debt lands on your family members who are still alive in that house and they may lose it. So that's one way. That's one way and that's a quick and an easy way. That's one way to stop that and to transfer over. So get that insurance policy. You get as high as you can afford. So if anything goes wrong, well, not everything goes wrong. So when you die, they'll be taken care of. And if you're getting older, then don't leave it to your kids. You leave it to your grandkids. Skip a generation because the older children should already learn this, but leave it to the younger ones so that they can start off their life. Now you've already on the way, on your way up for erasing poverty if that's how you grew up within those generations. I may never see myself in the place that I want. I would love a piece of patch of land. I don't care where it's at as long as I can live off of it and put stuff on there and I let a dog run wild. So, but I'm setting up my child and my grandchildren, hopefully they'll be learning these lessons too, to be able to learn about wealth, build wealth. And when you get that, give. Give to charities and all those other things because you can't take this money with you when you die. So you're really building it for someone else. But yes, you get to enjoy spending some of it. So that's one very easy way to do it if you don't have a business, if you don't have a lot of money. That's a very easy way to start because you see wealthy people don't have to have life insurance. I know it's a big shocker. And many of them don't. Wealthy people don't have to have and do not have life insurance. You want to know why? They already have the money. And they could have it sitting in their safes at home, earmark and say, this is what you're going to use to bury me and do all the rest of this. And then all the other money, they'll shift down to their companies or to their family members. It'll skip somebody, they'll put it into a trust or whatever else. They have that luxury. Non-wealthy people don't have that luxury. So if you want to try to secure that the people coming behind you are not in poverty and you want to change the direction of your family, life insurance is one way to go. Unless you can afford to buy some land, then that land can stay in the family. But there are a lot of different ways, as Ice Cube was trying to lay out, a lot of different ways I've had with, um, with Elizabeth. And, you know, I can get into all of it, but I don't want to spend the entire time talking about this because there are a couple other things I wanted to cover today. So he was, he was on point. He had a, he, uh, I read this book years ago by Hill Harper called The Wealth Cure. Right? I think that's what it's called, The Wealth Cure by uh, Hill Harper, the guy who was on CSI in New York. And a few other things that he's done. Went to Harvard and went to, what other, did he go to Harvard and, um, oh my gosh. He went to both Ivy, both Ivy League schools. And, you know, I already knew him from years before, but then he became a little bit more famous in the Obama administration because apparently they went to the same, they went to Harvard the same year and I think they were in the same graduating class. So that's where other people begin to know him from, but I already knew him know of him, should I say. Uh, great book. 
It's old book, but it's a great book. So he says, this is what I want to do. And I want to work with somebody and they attack him and try to bring him down and call him names. Then he spends his time defending himself. He should never have ever been in a position to defend himself. He shouldn't have to defend himself at all. And the people who are attacking him are really not that bright. They're really not. And Chris Cuomo showed it when he opened up his mouth because he's like, well, I guess you ain't black. And that's really what he was saying. You know, how could you want to work with him because he's so, and we all know that we know the next line, right? He's so racist. That's because you keep wanting to telling people this. And it's your idiocy. It's your absolute, complete idiocy that are keeping people from having the president's heir who can have it, who can work. Which is a great segue into the other idiot son of Mario Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, my lovely governor. I didn't vote for him, but he's my governor of New York. Another complete mouthful of idiocy. He's asked by someone, I, I, I think it was a CNN interview. I didn't see the interview. I heard the interview. And he was asked about taking the vaccine if it was made. Now, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, whatever her Harris name, whatever her name is, I don't care. She can come after me and say I didn't say her was I didn't say her name right, so I'm racist, as people will say, you know, whatever. You attack her, you attack the woman of color. Shut the heck up. It started with her. Well, it didn't start with her. She said during one of the debates, if the Trump administration if it comes up with this, um, um, I wouldn't take, oh, I wouldn't, shut up. And Pence was correct. Why are you making this, why, why are you causing this issue right now? Why are you undermining what's happening? Well, guess who echoed it? My illustrious governor, who said that he wouldn't take it, he wouldn't trust it, if the federal administration, you know, cold word for Trump, because what other administration is in office right now, if they came up with it, you know, he would question it. And then he would get all of his New York doctors together and they would study the protocol and they would study the thing. And then if they thought it was great and if he thought those doctors were great and those scientists, by the way, then he would think about talking to the New Yorkers and explain it to them. And then, of course, they would get this because that's how it goes, right? Orange man bad. Trump is there. He's going to do something. It came too quickly. And then um, he alluded to something. And if you really pay attention to it, it's like, well, if after the election, the other administration was to come up with this idea, oh, he would trust it in a heartbeat. Now, this is crazy. These are people who say, don't trust anything, trust the science. They trust the science that there are, uh, you know, climate change, we're all going to die in 12 years. Well, actually, we're probably down to like 11 now, right? Somebody go ask, always oh, see um, AOC and you'll get back to me. Let me know what she says about that. So um, 
Yeah, she better be right because you know the Christians, those, those crazy Christians years ago said we were going to all die in the year 2000, March, May, May 21st or some crap, and they had to come back and backpedal and go, um, no, we meant the next year. And then it's going to be the, and then, all right, it, it's been delayed to September, and now we don't hear from them anymore. So now we have the climate people talking like her, and we're all going to die if we don't do something now. So trust the science. Trust the science that there are 126,000 genders. I know, it's not like it's supposed to be 100, something like that. Trust the scientists. Trust the science. But now when the science is coming together to create a vaccine that you all want, now you're not going to trust it. You spent nearly the entire year thinking, I mean, California's still locked down, right? And uh, uh, this knucklehead mayor that we have is got part of Brooklyn chopped down and locked down. And I, I, it, I'm telling you, you guys check the news because it really seems like he's going after the Jewish community. I'm putting that out there. I could be right. I could be wrong. So he does the same thing Kamala Harris says, which is really dangerous to the exact same communities that they have been talking about that are the hardest hit, right? The black communities, but at the same time, you're telling them to distrust the very vaccine that you want to see be created. And if it was somebody else's administration who created it at this day or the day after the election, you'd be happy to say, hey, go for it. Listen, I've talked with my kids and I said, I'm not going to be the first one to jump online to get a vaccine. That's just me. You know, my brain goes back to generations before them, like Tuskegee. I'm not trusting anybody. And secondly, it's like the Xboxes. When Xbox first came out, I did not buy the first Xbox. I let it go for about a month, didn't let it go for another six months, and then I got mines later. And what happened between the first and that second year? I mean, between when it first came out and the, and the end of the year, all the bugs had to get worked out. They had issues, they had to fix it, and they had so-and-so. So me, I'm not trusting anything that comes first because they have to work out the bugs. And it has nothing to do with this administration or another administration that's going to come in. So what they're doing is creating more problems for people. The same people they claim they want to help. The same people they said were out of work, but then they're the same ones who are pushing for people not to go back to work. None of it makes any sense. None of it makes any sense. And it's, it's, it's just crazy, man. And so if you have a thinking brain and you think outside of that particular box and you think differently from that, then you're the crazy one. You know, before we go, I, I need to get into this video. So um, this video, God, what's this guy's name? I should have written it down before I got here. Sky something. I believe the podcast is Holy Post, H-O-L-Y-P-O-S-T. Guy used to work with VeggieTales who said some ridiculous stuff at the, end of the, at the beginning of the year. He had this guy on named Sky something. I think his name was Sky or, or whatever. And they were talking about abortion and why people are upset from both sides of the camps, both Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, 
and everybody keeps pushing the same narrative and they use it for the same thing. Uh, you know, like the, the Republicans will say, you know, he, he says that, you know, they kind of imagine that, you know, the world was this, this uh, um, holy utopia before Roe versus Wade. And, you know, the Democratic side is like, oh, you know, all hell's going to break loose because they're going to do this. And he said something that I learned when I was in grad school. Because in grad school, I actually did a paper on abortion. And the argument that I made, which is really the bigger argument, is abortion on demand. Just like you got video on demand. When you want to see the video, you can get the video. You can pay for the video. It's on demand. Abortion on demand is I can have an abortion whenever I want. It doesn't matter why. I just don't want it. It doesn't fit my lifestyle. I don't like this guy. I'm going to kill his baby. And that's where I draw the line the biggest. And that's what I say needs to be outlawed and needs to go. But when they speak about abortion, they speak broadly, and that really, abortion on demand, is the real issue here. Because as I learned, and this guy was saying, abortion didn't just show up with Roe versus Wade. And matter of fact, if you do the real history and you check the, uh, I forgot which one it was, Roe or Wade, who really didn't want to do it, and I think she ended up not having the abortion before the group of, I think there were female lawyers who got together and wanted to push the case of abortion to the Supreme Court. Because once you get to the Supreme Court, that's it. And I think it was Judge Roberts who was saying, you know, we don't want to change the law that's already there. So this is the reason why people want to go to the Supreme Court, because they know once it's a precedent, it's going to be really hard to overturn and flip something on its head. And that's why, you know, with the whole gay movement, um, they went from being legal partners to, that's not the real legal termination, but they went from there to pushing to have a legal marriage. And then from legal marriage to some other stuff. And so then you, you would see in the coattails everything else that followed after that. Because once it becomes a precedent, it's really hard to turn that whole, uh, to, to turn that. And so as the guy was saying is that all these years, let me go back. Abortions have already been legal in this country forever. It was down to the state level and people were doing all over the place. And if they didn't do it in your state, you can drive over and go somewhere else and get it. Um, he had this wonderful quote, check out that video. Um, he had this wonderful quote about a guy in the 1800s who was saying about just how terrible the whole thing of abortion is and how we as a nation, he was speaking morally, how we we're doing something so bad. I, I, I don't really have the quote in my head because I got stuck on a whole ice cube thing. And so, so this has been a while for a while. And I mean, I've seen movies and on the period pieces. There were days, you know, way back. Um, I don't know what hundreds, I would say 1600s, but you know, people were taking herbs to kill their babies. Women were taking herbs to kill their babies, herbs and roots and all the other stuff. So this whole idea is nothing new. And since it has been recorded, 
it hasn't been overturned by anybody. And as a guy pointed out, there were more Republican justices over the past couple of years, like 50 years, I think it is. And none of them overturned it. Then he went on the amount of abortions that have been there, you know, more this time or, or, or you know, more funding, uh, public funding for it in, in a lot of other stuff. But anyway, so it's been around for a while. It has always been there. Roe versus Wade hasn't been turned over. And so he's like, you know, how do we stop abortions? How do we cut down the numbers? And because people are voting for, well, I'm going to vote for this president because he's pro-life. I'm going to vote for this one because she or he is pro-choice. And that's your wretch, that's, yes, your final answer? That's your final answer. That's the reason for you voting. That's a good reason, but that shouldn't be the final and the only thing. I totally disagree with abortion. Sorry. And I already said abortion on demand really, really is the worst thing to happen to black folks in this country. And I did the numbers when I was in college. I did because I had to do the study and I did the numbers. And it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Let's just say off the top of my head, I'm just there's five babies, right? Nope, let me do that a different way. Let me show you how to do this. Sally had, or should I say Shaniqua? Sally had, um, she's going in, she's pregnant, and she's going in, and the doctor asked her how many pregnancies she had. It was her first child. Now, you may be thinking, why would that be the question? Because it is the question. Sally has one baby because she's pregnant now, but she's had five pregnancies. She's had five pregnancies because she was pregnant five times, but she aborted four babies. Let me throw something at you. 13% of the population and you just killing the next generation. You want to grow as a people, grow as a family. That was just a free thought for you. Um, so we, you, you have this whole thing with abortion, and so you got these people who, you know, they're hanging on, this is the thing, this is the thing, this is the thing, this is the thing. So this guy starts throwing out these stats about the, you know, how abortions have pretty much been slowing down over the years and how they got here. And a lot of how they got there was because of the community. He says, you know, he, he quoted this one Catholic guy, one Catholic priest who was saying that we need to build, oh gosh, what was it, what was it? Um, a community of life. And as I told Elizabeth in the car, I said, not just a community of life, but a community of life and love. You know, uh, to, to, to love life, to value life. So with the help of a lot of community involvement, a lot of money being thrown into women's health care, that's not where I want to go with this, that's not what I want to say, um, um, crisis pregnancies. And that's what's been helping to make the numbers go down. And he throws something else out there, I'm, I probably quote him wrong, that, you know, the vast majority of women don't want to have abortions. Now, mind you, we've had the lady from Fleetwood Mac. You've had a few other celebrities like that loony from, uh, what's her name? Lisa Milano. They're all praising, I've killed the baby. Like, really? That's, that's what you, really? That's like 
a private thing that you keep to yourself and you stand up on your soapbox like that was a great thing you did was abort a baby. How do you, how do you get to a point in your mind where you think that that's the greatest thing you've ever done in your life? You killed the child so that you could be free to act. And remember what I said about the people who get all the platform, all the attention, and so we all think that this is how it really is? Alyssa Milano is a fraction of the people who might stand up and actually cheer like it was a great thing to have abortion. Because most women who go through this are scarred. There's a lot of guilt that comes with that. And there's a lot of pain that comes with that. And they're not standing out there go, yeah, I had this, woohoo. No, that's a horrible thing. Some did it for whatever reasons. They didn't like the guys, as I alluded to earlier. And some did it because they were too young. Some because they didn't have any support or whatever. So what the guy was saying is that the numbers have been slowly dropping and where the numbers are the lowest is where you have that support. And so as my daughter was listening to this, she reminded me and I reminded her of something she told me last week that she learned in her class. She takes some um, Christian ethics class. And so one of her classes she was studying and it said that dating is not found in the Bible. But you shouldn't really engage in dating until you're done with high school or you're 18 or for those who are really, really not mature when you're 20. And that's an excellent point. And she absolutely agreed with that. Um, and then we were talking about sex and a lot of other and things. And she was saying how when she was in like middle school, girls were talking about all the stuff they were doing with boys and, and a lot of other things. And she was like, what? So... That's not her. That's not her world. And she wholeheartedly agreed with this. And this is the same thing I told her. It's hard enough getting through high school. So why not focus on the studies and deal with all the rest of that other stuff later? It'll still be there. It's not going anywhere. You know, when kids are little, boys, ick, girls, ick. When they start hitting the middle ages, they start looking, you know, uh, um, before preteen, they start thinking, hmm, the opposite sex is kind of like interesting. But y'all know, they can't even pee straight. And most don't even brush their teeth half the time before they walk out your door. So how is it that we're going to give them a license to go out and screw whoever they want, wherever they want? So, and then when you get older teens, you got all, you know, then they've got other issues. So she was saying that she agreed with that and then that makes sense because then you're able to do these other things. So then when she was listening to the abortion thing, she's going, but that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? So, you know, if, why wouldn't you support the person who has the baby? And we had this very long conversation. So I told her one thing that happened um, years ago in church where, you know, it, it, it was always taught what Christians can't do. What Christians shouldn't do. You don't, we don't dance. We don't drink. You shouldn't drink. Don't smoke cigarettes because it's the temple of God. And don't have sex outside of marriage. And don't have sex to all the kids. 
and men don't lust after women and women please make sure that you dress modestly and all the things that you can't do at all but they never said and never taught what you can do what you should do that was always missing and at one point all the young people started having babies I'm like, hold up. Um, none of you, when you decided to do this, thought of contraception, because I'm quite sure they taught it in your school because they all went to public school. Now, maybe your parents didn't teach this to you. Maybe church didn't teach this to you because that's the part of the Christian world they don't want to teach. Contraceptives, how they use them and everything else. Granted, that should be left up to the parents like my wife and I, that should be left up to the parents. However, how is it that they all got pregnant? And, you know, there was some little, little undercover stuff where, you know, when some of these girls got pregnant, there really wasn't going to be no celebration of life. There, there really wasn't going to be like a baby shower. It was like, you know, that's a sin, it's shameful, and all that other stuff, which is detrimental. You know, as she and I were talking in the car, I said, you know, as far as mommy and I would go, it's like, yeah, we'll be, we'll be mad. I'll punch the child in the head. Like, what, what were you doing? What were you doing? One child came to us while we were on our honeymoon and we were away and we were sitting inside the thing and I was clearly upset and she understood that I was upset. <laughs> but, okay, as I told Elizabeth in the car, it's like, but okay, you sinned. You sin with sex. You had a child out of wedlock. There's another sin. You, you, you did all this, and that's all the sin. There you go. God considers the sin. That's it. Now do as Jesus said and go your way and sin no more. So the sin is already created. You get upset. Now you deal with what? You got a grandchild coming. Now you celebrate life. So we prayed for that child, we prayed for the grandchild, we prayed for the pregnancy, we, we, we gave things, I don't know if she had a, boy. Well, yeah, I think it was like a couple of baby showers or like one baby shower, but anyway, so we brought things and he did all that other stuff. Watched a kid. Um, so there was like, we're gonna still celebrate life because you know what, if God does not want this child to be born, it will not be. And if he does, it will. Because pregnancy, you roll the dice anyway. Just because you're pregnant, just because a woman is pregnant doesn't mean she's going to carry the baby to term. And it could mean that she might die in childbirth and then you're just left with this baby. So it's like it, it, it made no sense to her. It made no sense to me, number one, that people would hang their vote on who's going to overturn it, who's not going to overturn it because it hasn't been overturned and it hasn't curtailed abortions and now you can get a freaking pill through the mail probably and and so it's like it hasn't changed anything what has changed the amount of abortions in the idea of it are the people in the communities are the people in the families are the people who set up a support system especially um uh, um um women's uh what do you call it i said it earlier jeez um crisis center 
So that if that young girl gets pregnant, and if she doesn't have a family support, and if she doesn't have the other people, you have women who come alongside her, tell her what to expect, and help her and encourage her that she can do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's going to feel guilty. She probably should feel bad that, you know, she did this. However, what's done is done. Now we work on getting you mentally correct, get you right in your head, get you encouraged about this baby you're about to bring into this world, teach you about adoption if you feel that you can't raise the baby. There are so many options, and it is those options that have been helping to curtail abortion. Now, in our house, we didn't, as far as I know, we didn't have any teenage pregnancies. All of our children, all of the girls, should I say, we got four girls and two boys, all were pregnant in their 20s. So we didn't have any teenage pregnancies. And in our house, we had this book that said almost 12. So we gave it to them. We split in half. The boys got the boys section and the girls got the girls section. Then we split and then we taught them what the other one didn't know. And we gave that to them at 13 or whoever we thought was mature enough to get it. And then we read it to them later on. Now, I did it with Elizabeth because Cheryl wasn't here anymore. Well, we did it just before she died. I think it was after because she had just turned 13. And then um, a couple of years after that, I gave it back to her and I told her to read it again. And then as she's getting older, we're having more complex conversations about sex, life, marriage, and children. So it's not something you talk about once. It's something you continue to tell children throughout their lifespan, you know, before they're old enough and they move out your house. We push education without children. We push that you shouldn't have any children before you're married because it's better that way. Economically, it's better that way. Um, and, and, and a few other things, don't have sex before this. So we pushed all these different things and if they chose to go opposite of what we said, it wasn't because we were the dumb parents that didn't show them the way. So we didn't have any teenage pregnancies in our house. Um, it came later on. And even though some were birthed out of wedlock or something else, it wasn't that we shamed them like some might have done within the church or in any another community. It wasn't we shamed them. Of course, both of us were upset, but it's like, okay, it's done. Now let's move on. And that's the way it should be. Because that, like we were saying, like I said, is that's the thing, as this guy was saying, those are the things, those systems set up are the things that will innately curtail abortion. Not Roe versus Wade, because that's not going to make a difference. It hasn't made a difference in the past 45 years, 40 years, 45 years, 50 years, whatever it was. It hasn't made a dent. People are still doing it. What makes a dent is actually talking to our children, actually talking to some young boy or girl, especially the boys. Because let me tell you something, if that girl have an abortion, dude, you should be crying. You should be crying. You should feel the pain of this is a life that was part of me. Instead of we keep the boys out of the conversation, so they're sort of arm's distance with the feeling part of the child and the pregnancy. 
And when you have women's lib pushing that whole narrative of it's my body, my child, my body, I can do what I want. Then um, if homeboy don't want to be part of it and he's standing at arm length, guess who created that conundrum? It should be. You're responsible for this life. You're responsible for this life if it's lost or taken or aborted. You're responsible, both of you. Both boys and girls should get the same sex education. Not separate, not, well, girls get pregnant and boys don't, so all you gotta do is put on a condom. That's not how it works. They get the same education. If you wanna split them up and talk separately, then you bring them together, that's fine. They should get the same message on babies, sex, and abortion, and adoption, and planning a parenthood. You know, there should be a plan. I told all my kids, and I continue to tell this to Elizabeth, don't get pregnant within your first year of marriage. Mommy and I did, and we already had four children when we got married. She had two, I had two. And then she was pregnant that first year. I'm like, we never had a time of peace. We didn't have a time to get to know one another. And we would have had a time to get to know one another. We still had four kids in tow. So it was, it was, it was rough. And then when we started spending time together and having our time together, that was a good thing. And so here we go with the messaging where is, yeah, don't do that until you're married. And then when you do get married, and like I used to tell a lot of the young couples who we met, don't have any children your first year. Because you come from two different households and you're coming together and you have two different ways of living and you have to figure out how you're gonna raise these children. If both of you come from a faith background, is it the same faith? Then you know how you're raising your kids. If it's different, which way are you going to do it? You have to figure out your discipline. And you need that year to work out your issues. You've been single, living by yourself, and selfish, both of you. Or one came from the parent's house. You're moving in together. It's quite uncomfortable learning how to sleep in the bed with someone else. Your morning routine has changed because now you have to share bathroom time with someone else. And Lord help you if you move into one or the other person's home because they will always feel that their space is invaded. They'll tell you, no, they're not. But that will be there. So you get your own place together and you build your life together from there. And so we say, don't have your baby the first year. Spend time with one another, spend time learning each other Spend time learning each other's good habits and bad habits. Spend some time traveling and vacation, having some of that time. Because when you start to have your family, and hopefully you're planning out your family, when you start to have your family, your babies are going to have to have your full attention, especially for those first, first five years of development. And you need to be there. You don't want to have to get married have a baby within your first year or be pregnant first year, and then you're dealing with the pregnancies and neither one of you know how to deal with that, and then you're dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff, and you haven't had that time alone together. 
So that's something we would always tell young couples. And that also helps with economics. You figure out what you want to do and how you can build your family and how much money you need and what the two of you want before you do everything else. Going back to Ice Cube, that's another way of curtailing poverty for you and your family. So, um, you know, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> we went way over an hour today. But I'm going to leave it at that. You know, the whole, you know, Roe versus Wade hasn't changed anything in years. You know, Ice Cube's just trying to say, I work with whoever else. Then you have the other guy who wakes up and we have the whole world going crazy because some people have figured out something and nobody wants it to get out. I should be kicked off a post because that poor girl didn't like something I said. She claims every time she goes out, she doesn't feel comfortable. And I said, when we go out, well, we have no issue. I'm just as black as you are. But then, you know, you get all those followers that repeat the same thing. And then that becomes the major theme across everything. Social media, television, and conversations. Well, I'm kind of losing my voice. So I'm going to get out of here. I will catch you guys next Thursday. Well, actually, tomorrow as well. But you get the point about the Thursday thing. So that's it. Um, that's my thoughts for today. If you agree, disagree, hey, that's fine. Bring it. You've got the email information and everything else, as well as considering support. So I'm going to go. And as usual, please. Love one another. Jesus was on to something when he said that. See you next time.